following is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, you've got to play pinball. And put in your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. Back on the Tom Dupree Show, where we keep grinding. <laughs> we always grind. Grind! Philip Sexton, we welcome. Bringing in a hurricane. Guy Hughley also here. He, he's holdover from the first hour. I'm a holdover. <laughs> Elizabeth, Elizabeth Dupree, why don't, come on. Why don't you do the show with us? <laughs> come on in, Elizabeth. Jump in. He, How about I say good morning for right now? Yeah. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. All right, here's a sports thing. We're we're in the playoffs with the yeah. NFL right now, and uh, anybody that watched what the Titans did against New England the other day would certainly have a lot of respect for this quarterback. His running back, Derrick Henry, um, who piled up what was it, 182 yards? Uh, yeah, it was almost 200. I know that. Yeah, it's 200 with receiving. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was 180, and then I think 20 receiving yards. Yeah, yeah. one catch for 20 yards or something like that. It was 202. Yeah, <laughs> 202. So uh, he was on the scrap hip heap. Leads the Titans into a playoff showdown against the Patreons. Patreons against get out again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After getting dumped by the Dolphins and morphing into an unlikely star. Yeah. That they that they got rid of him last so, season. Um, now wait a minute, real quick. Force Philip gives us the NFL spin on this guy. We we've got a affinity for him. Former wide receiver for Texas A and M. Was he? He was quarterback. That moved to quarterback. Do, oh, he played do, at A and M. I, I thought he played at Miami. Oh, A&M. well, he played for the Dolphins. I thought he no, said you. No, but no. Cal- or college, he played for Texas A&M. He was a wide receiver, Lynn Bowden. Yeah. Came quarterback. Come on now. Okay. Here we go. I'm following you. Yeah. <laughs> De- De- was Derek Ramsey the same way, too? Derek Ramsey that played at Kentucky? Yeah. Was he a – No, he would never, He was a quarterback. He was – Okay. Randall Big. Cobb. Randall Cobb. Well, he was always a wide receiver. Yeah, but he played quarterback at one year. That's Bob right. Bowden. Okay. All right, go ahead. So – what I wanted to, what I really wanted to dive into with this was, um, so it says by any fathomable metric, Tannehill uh, was unfathomably phenomenal once he took over as Tennessee starter. His passer rating, 117.5, was the league's best. He averaged 9.59 yards per attempt, a full yard better than 
any other qualifying quarterback. No quarterback in NFL history has ever finished with such a high combination of those two numbers. For the season? Yeah. He also completed 70.3% of his passes, a remarkable figure that's made remarkable by how he has completed 8.1% passes more than expected based on the NFL's next-gen stats, which is far and away the highest figure in the league. And this is the same quarterback that the Dolphins decided wasn't good enough for them. Back in 2012, the Dolphins <laughs> drafted Tannehill with the number eight pick in the draft, and his time there wasn't so much disappointing as it was unremarkable. He didn't flame out as an epic bust, but he went 43-49 and 49 over seven seasons that were defined by injury, middling teammates, and coaches who may have been better if they were replaced by actual Dolphins. So... What I find interesting about this is it it's it can be used as a life lesson. Yeah. Right. Everything in life that you do is an investment towards something. Yeah. You you diet, you're investing towards your future health by cutting out carbohydrates, you're hoping that mm-hmm. you know you you change your your fat content in your body which will help your cholesterol and and all kinds of different things. When you look at this example, Tennessee saw what they needed in a quarterback. Not every not every NFL team needs the exact same quarterback to win games. I, I think of uh, back in the day, the 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 Baltimore Ravens. Uh, oh gosh, I think it was like 15 years ago when they won the Super Bowl with uh, uh, Trent Dilfer. You know. Trent Dilfer was a game-managing quarterback. It was one of those Ray Lewis comes in and says, don't turn the ball over, score us one touchdown, and we'll do the rest. Yeah. You know, we've got the defense, we're going to win. Same thing here. Ed Ed Reed. Yeah, same thing here was, you know, Miami needed him to be Dan Marino is is what they wanted him to be. Right. That's not what Ryan Tannehill was. Ryan Tannehill was, you know, I'm not going to have a huge amount of turnovers, but I'm not going to score you a, a whole bunch of points kind of guy. Right. Um, he goes to Tennessee. Tennessee has a strong defense. They have a very strong running game. What they needed was, hey, we need somebody that can take the pressure off of Derrick Henry because if we can't throw the ball, they're putting nine people in the box and taking his head off every time he touches it. So we need to – get somebody to keep the passing game honest. They bring him in. He replaces Mariota halfway through the season. Look what they've done. You know, they went from they probably weren't going to make the playoffs to now, I mean, heck, yeah. they, they, they've got a chance to beat the Ravens this, this weekend and move one step closer to a Super Bowl maybe. Who knows? But, you know, you talked at Joe Burrows from uh, LSU that's now the Heisman Trophy mm-hmm. kid. Yep. He obviously didn't work in Ohio State's program, so it kind of trickles down into, you know, find your spot in college, too. And then um, Jalen Hurts and uh, moving from Alabama and ended up in the Final Four, and Alabama wasn't there. Yep. So All four Heisman Trophy candidates were transfer, college transfers this year. Is Uh, that right? uh, Or three of the four finalists were college transfers. Think about that. Yeah, so it transfers into college, too. It's not yeah. just the NFL. So, how's this – Let's Tom, let's go into your archives. How's this story relate to excellent Wall Street 
companies oh, that gosh. have, you know, continued to go down, 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 and, you know, boom. Apple. Apple. There's a good one. They were stuck in the mud, um, weren't doing anything, and then they brought out the iPod. And it's what started the company yeah. moving. Yeah. I mean, they were actually probably on the verge of bankruptcy. At yeah. The, yeah, the computer was kind of a dud, wasn't it, at that point? Yeah. The Apple computer. They they had reached peak market share on yeah. that, you know, they, they weren't, they weren't really penetrating anything. Um, they came out with the iPod and that was a new high tech gadget gizmo thing. Yeah. And everybody loved it and jumped on board. And then they made the iPhone from the iPod. Yes. And that's all she wrote at that point. Yeah. The iPod was the music thing, right? It was a yeah. music, uh, little really date. Everybody had an iPod. <laughs> really? You, you weren't cool unless you had an iPod. Really? Oh yeah. Sitting there spinning the little thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, but yeah, that's exactly, you know, back to Tom's point was that an, an investment is what you need it to be. You know, do you need this high-flying, high-growth, uber-aggressive, a la Patrick Mahomes-style offense yeah. type investment? <laughs> you know, where we're going we're gonna to air it out 40 times a game and it's the ball is just going to sail all over the field and yeah. it's going to look miraculous. But there's that chance that, hey, you know, he blows his knee out and they aren't the same team. Or do you need, uh, all right, we want a good value play here. You know, Ryan Tannehill is statistically one of the top two quarterbacks in the league this year. So he should be worth $35, 40000000 million annually. And what's he making? They're paying him, I don't even I don't even know, but I think it's like maybe eight, eleven, something like that. Like right. not even half of what he's shown he's worth by these statistics. Is his contract up for renewal? I'm not sure. <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> right. But that's that's what I'm saying is they better win the Super Bowl. <laughs> exactly. And he'll get paid if he wins the Super Bowl. Yeah. And that it, you know, to break it down into what we're trying to do at the pre-financial is we're trying to find our Ryan Tannehills. That's right. You know, we we want we want to get those we want to get those guys in there, those investments in there that are, you know, of good value. Something that we don't need it to air it out 40 times a game, throw six touchdowns, and run for another two. Yeah. You know, we, we don't need the Lamar Jackson approach. We want, you know, we've got a good, sound defense, a la our research. We just need to protect the football, a la the portfolio. Yes. Like it. Great analogy. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Morningstar's big bet on bond ratings. Oh, here we this go. One? You want to get to this one? Yeah, yeah. I, this, whatever you want to do. This, let's do a let's do a break here. <laughs> All right. It's the Tom Dupree Show, News Radio six thirty WLAP. The most important stuff to me: Iran's master of terror, the impeachment trial in the Senate. We're going to win in November. Clear and concise information matters. See how the next day is unfold. Clearly, see twenty twenty with News Radio six thirty. WLAP. Hi, this is Tom Dupree Jr. What does a good financial advisor do? Perhaps it comes down to asking the right questions instead of having all the answers. 
For instance, should I take Social Security now or later? Am I really ready to retire? Is my money invested properly to pay me an income during retirement? These are a few of the questions that might come up in your discussion with a financial advisor. Good questions are what a financial advisor may be able to help you with. You will come up with the answers on your own. If you're not sure about some of these things and need a sounding board, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 for a complimentary appointment. Also, you can listen to the Tom Dupree Show on Saturdays at 7 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. 630 WLAP. Morningstar, they typically rate funds and things like that, but um, now they're going into bond ratings. And uh, tell us a little bit about that, Philip. Yeah, uh, so it's an article from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, In mid-November, bond investors got an unwelcome surprise from one of the main rating firms in a hot corner of the bond market. About 25% of the bonds that it had rated were likely to be downgraded. Several days later, after calls poured in from confused investors, rating firm DBRS Morningstar backtracked and said it had made an error. It was instead likely to upgrade about 25% of the bonds and downgrade only about 3%. It certainly isn't confidence-inspiring said Jason Callen, Senior Portfolio Manager at Columbia Threadneedle Investment in Minneapolis, which owns about $4 billion of the bonds in question. Uh, So Morningstar, known for its mutual fund ratings, has hit a rough patch in its quest to become a big player in the bond rating business. In its biggest ever acquisition, Morningstar bought rival DBRS from two private equity firms for $669 million in July, uh, catapulting itself into the number four spot globally uh what i found interesting here is you know this really kind of points out (laughs) the uh the problem with research i guess the problem with investment research is uh, so many times people look at the the rating and say oh okay yeah it's you know triple b or you know double b plus or whatever it may be and and give a huge amount of weighting towards that rating. Yeah. The problem is, is I've seen it personally. When you dig into the financials of different companies, I, in my opinion, I've seen, I've seen double B hell. I've seen single B rated stuff that has better fundamentals and should be investment and better financials than double B plus rated stuff. Yes, and that's where, it, when when you explain the bond rating, you know, and you you've cut your teeth in bonds, you've you've yeah. you've been doing bonds your entire life. Well, explain the, the bond rating first and foremost. What well, what it really means? Highest ratings, triple A rated, double A, single A, right? Then B double A, double B, 
single B, then the C's. Uh, so anything BAA or higher is investment grade. Anything below that is called non-investment grade or junk. Junk bond. Yeah. Right. Okay. Less likely to perform. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. correct. Well, I mean, the, the more risk, obviously. According to the rating agency. Yeah. More risk. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, statistically speaking, the, the amount of defaults are supposed to increase based on where their ratings are. Uh, but you can also see a rating deteriorate very quickly. Uh, so that way, before it defaults, it's it's hit its yeah hit its threshold or wherever it needs to be. But the problem with the rating agencies are is they they inherently serve kind of two masters. You know, mas- master one is they they have to be somewhat decent at their ratings, <coughs> or else people aren't going to give credence to them and use them, which means that they will be useless. To master number two and master number two is where the income comes from that's right master number two is there you go they get paid by the person that wants to be rated, rated which is a problem isn't it, it is it? a problem that's not okay so ultimately it's it's one of those we'll give you the best rating we can possibly give you without seeming too shady about it because you know, if I'm paying you to do something, I'm paying I'm paying you to if I'm getting getting rated, I'm paying you to give me a rating that's going to lower my interest expense, right? Enough to justify paying you. At the same time, you're doing that, but you're trying to make it not seem so crazy of a rating that you will lose all credibility in the market. You get what I'm saying? Yes, I get what you're saying. But if you're doing that with every single bond, then you're potentially inflating everything you rate. That's actually part of the problem that happened in the financial crisis is the rating agencies were rating loads of piles of of junk. Junk. It was was bad information. They were rating piles of junk, you know, high investment grade ratings. And it came back to bite them. Uh, But at the same time, they kind of just got off with a slap on the wrist. When you really think about it, slap on the wrist and pay a few fines and, you know, back to rating as usual. Uh, A few years later, you know, market uh, trust from from investors has came back, uh, you know, and and we're back to where we were. You know, oh, what's the S&P rate this at or what's Moody's rate this at? What I really wanted to get to is I wanted to point out the, the, the problem with the rating process, but also this is why it's so important to do your own research. This is why you have to look at the financials of the company, not just the rating of the company. The best process is is to rate it yourself. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you know, I've seen single B I've seen single B rated issuers that I would rather put money in than I would some investment grade rated issuers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I can, I can tell you because I, I'll tell you one, cause it no longer exists. Rent a center. Yeah. Yeah. That was a single B rated credit that they were buying back debt like crazy at a discount. It was at a discount partially because of its single B rating. Um, 
you know, the fundamentals were improving on the company. Uh, they weren't overly leveraged. And it turned out that, you know, you could have made some pretty good money right. buying that bond. Goes back to quality of information, too, that, which was a big problem in 2008 and nine. You know, we had audited financial statements that weren't what they said they were. Then we went through Sarbanes-Oxley to try to improve that. But what I think is interesting about this is that they made a mistake. Because of the merger, the information was not being looked at that they should have been looking at, and they, they, <laughs> they downgraded bonds that shouldn't have been downgraded. Then they had to come back and say, oops, sorry, <laughs> we, we made a mistake. Uh, I think they said uh, – they're likely to upgrade about 25% of the bonds and downgrade only 3% as a result. of, And that was due to the merger with uh, DRBC or whatever it is, DB, DBRS. Okay. So from the way you type, the D would be the middle finger of the left hand. Okay. The U would be the pointer finger of the right hand. So it's completely different. So, yeah, you definitely can't say it's a typo. Right. <laughs> no. I mean, you know, they, they, they made a mistake. But it's back to this, you know, people that I really respect in the investment business. It's back to research. Mm -hmm. They invest in companies they understand. They invest in products yeah. they understand. And they stay away from stuff that really is out of their realm of, you know, possibility. Yeah. So uh, it's back to doing your own research and how important that is, and that's what we do at Dupree. Well, it, you know, it, it's like you said, it's it's fitting. You no, know, focus on focus on things you can build a level of education around. You know, and, and build it. No, don't just let somebody do it for you. Build it yourself. And bonds are easy to understand, aren't they, Tom? Really? I mean, it's just a loan. Sort of. Business loan, basically. You have to know what's behind them. You just got to know what's behind them. Got to understand the deal. Yeah. That's that's the basic thing with bonds. Stay with us. Get You're me. listening to the Tom Dupree Show, News Radio 630 WLAP. Americans are always on the move. They're in the car, at the office, working around the house. Americans refuse to sit still. So how do you connect with all of these moving targets? Easy, with radio. Radio reaches 93% of Americans every week, more than Google, Facebook, even television. Because hey, who has the time to sit and watch TV? So when you want to connect with all those constantly moving adults, teens, and millennials, get to iHeartMedia.com and put AMFM Radio to work for your company. Citizens of Lexington and surrounding areas, Big M Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram has only three questions for you. Do you have a job? Do you bring home $400 weekly? Do you want a new car? If you answered yes, then Big M Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram wants to approve your credit today so you can drive home the new vehicle you really want. During the Start Something New sales event, drive home a new 2020 Jeep Compass Limited for just $249 per month. Plus, we want your old car regardless of make, miles, and condition even if you owe more than it's worth. So ask yourself, do you have a job? Do you bring home $400 weekly? Do you want a new car? Then hurry to Big M Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. 
just minutes from Fayette Mall or online at BigMCTJR.com. Stock number J2309. Qualified applicants. 36-month lease. 2839 due at site. Plus tax and license. 10,000 miles per year. Zero security deposit. Negative equity refinanced. All rebates to deal. Offers don't combine. Big M's got your truck, In Nicholasville. Iran now saying it is responsible for the crash of the Ukrainian airlines jet after days of denials, admitting that missiles launched by their military hit the plane just after takeoff from Iran's capital. All 176 people on board killed. The missiles launched hours after Iran launched attacks against U.S. posts in Iraq in retaliation for the killing of its top general. ABC's Stephanie Ramos. After the killing of General Qassam Soleimani, Iranians rallied around their leaders, hundreds of thousands showing up for funeral processions. But now, after Iran's acknowledgement of responsibility for that crash, it is likely to anger Iranians against authorities, many feeling as though they were lied to. At least one person has died in Louisiana overnight after storms moved through the south with reports of possible tornadoes. Today, snow, ice, and freezing rain will move into parts of the Midwest and Upper Plains. And Texas has become the first state to reject refugees, saying it won't participate in the president's resettlement program. Michelle Franz and ABC News. We've got a very active weather day on tap across the area. High winds and the potential for strong to severe thunderstorms. Temperatures may also set a record today as we hit 70 to 75 before those afternoon and evening thunderstorms work their way across the area. Damaging winds, the primary players for many thunderstorms that go up today. We may see those gusts 50 to 60 miles per hour or a little greater with some of the stronger storms. We blow that air out of town into the day on Sunday. Still windy, but nowhere near as windy as what we have today. With a partly sunny sky, we'll see a high topping out into the upper 40s and low 50s. From the WKYT First Alert Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Chris Bailey on your official weather station, News Radio 630 WLAP. Broadcasting live 24 7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation, this is News Radio 630 WLAP, an iHeart Radio station. You know who really loves fresh food? Amateur chefs, barbecuers, smorgasbordsers snackers, bakers, and throw it in the microwavers. At Kroger, you can get all the fresh you want at a great price with same-day pickup and delivery because we believe in fresh for everyone. And now you'll find more ways to save on natural and organic food. When you download digital coupons, you can use up to five times in one transaction. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Guys, the secret is out. If you want healthy intimacy, your body needs nitric oxide. And now you can boost your nitric oxide production faster than you thought possible with Ageless Male Tonight, the absurdly fast formula from the number one brand in male enhancement. Just take one capsule an hour before romantic activity. You'll get clinically tested ingredients that rapidly boost nitric oxide production. And it won't go unnoticed. Rush to 7-Eleven and get Ageless Male Tonight. Do you want to learn to speak a new language but don't have enough time? Then you need to try Babbel, the language learning app that you can try for free right now at Babbel.com. Babbel's lessons are just 15 minutes or less, and you can go at your own pace. You'll be amazed at how easy Babbel makes it. Start your first lesson in the language of your choice for free. Just download the Babbel app or go to Babbel.com now. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. 630 WLAP. We're back on the Tom Dupree Show. 
Um, find out who owns your fund management company. Your portfolio could depend upon it. The Balter Long Short Small Cap Equity Fund was soaring above its peers when suddenly, like Amelia Earhart's Pacific Airplane, it disappeared. From its December 2013 inception through its April 2019 semiannual report, it had more than doubled the average long-short mutual funds return. It had $169 million, yet in June 2019, Balter liquidated the fund. What's going on with that? Yeah, so, uh, you know, what happened, the fund's investment advisor, uh, Balter Liquid Alternatives, BLA, gave no explanation in the fund's public filings Yet, a filing for a sister fund, uh, Balter Invonomic, uh, which wasn't liquidated but lost Balter as its investment advisor during the same period, states that BLA is exiting the advisory business due to uncertainty involving a seed investor, which could potentially affect its ability to provide services to the fund and other funds in the future. That investor was the billionaire Sackler family of Purdue Pharma, <laughs> which is being sued for this, its involvement in the opioid crisis. The family has decided to pull its assets out of the Apollo 13 movie is what this is. This isn't an Amelia Earhart. This is Houston. <laughs> we have a problem. Right. <laughs> Golly. It's, it's, How do they do that? I mean, really? How does that happen? It is what it is. Okay. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's it's a twofold, um, this article. It, it's not only who who owns the management. You know, it could be it could be a mutual fund owned by, you know, ran by a bank. Um, but also the underlying who owns the fund is where are the investors in the fund? You know, if, what? let's say that you've got a, Two hundred million dollar fund, and a quarter of it, a quarter of the investments in that fund are in two people's hands. Yeah, you know, you really have to do whatever they want you to do. Do you have access to that information? Uh, when you invest, to an extent, it would be in the prospectus as a risk. Okay. You know, it would say it wouldn't give you their names because that's a privacy issue. But it would say you know two of our two of our largest investors create X percent or something like that. That that would show up as a risk. On a call, could you ask that information? Would they have to tell you? Uh they wouldn't tell you. Same same principle. same same principle. Yeah, they wouldn't okay. tell you the names. They wouldn't be like, yeah, Tom Dupree owns ten percent of this fund. So okay, you better send him some candy or something like that. You know, make nice. But ultimately, it's two things. You have to understand who owns the fund. So Right, and who owns the management company. And who owns the management So who owns your fund management company? Is it publicly or privately held, controlled by a handful of insiders, influenced right. by outside private group like the Sacklers, or widely held in public markets like uh, right. T. Rowe Price, for example? You should know the answer because ownership can affect the fund's management, fees, performance, and ultimately whether it continues to exist. The most basic distinction in public versus private ownership, Vanguard Fund's owner John Bogle was one of the first industry critics to point out that fund companies serve two masters, the fund shareholders and those of the company that, it man that manages it. And this can create a conflict of interest, especially regarding fees. 
So it goes on to say, once you're publicly traded, you have a lot more scrutiny, says John Adams, a University of Texas Arlington finance professor and the study's co-author. There's a lot more pressure to perform in the short term. Yeah. Adams found that managers' turnover was 10% higher at public money managers, while fund returns following the change were 7% worse than private ones. A 2009 study found that average fees were higher and returns lower for funds run by public managers. Now that's the good news in this story is you we won't this won't happen at Pre Financial. No, we're in it for the long run. We're not short term, result driven. Yeah, we're long term. Empower you in your retirement. Goal oriented. Goal oriented. Right. And the take other, you to the end of the game. And the other thing is is. We don't do mutual funds right? for this exact yeah. reason. So right. explain what really happens to the investor here. So you could say you got, you know, hundred hundred, you know, million dollars in this fund, and then all of a sudden it just is off radar. So what happens in that scenario if a fund decides to liquidate, you better hope it's liquid first off. Yeah. Uh, because if a fund, and we've seen this happen, if a fund says, all right, we're liquidating, and it's not a highly liquid portfolio, your money could be frozen for a while, a month, or even could be even longer, potentially. I can't remember what the exact rule is for how long they can freeze it for, but there is there is a timeline. And so they could they could freeze it because, hey, we need to make sure we get a good price for, you know, a fair price for our, what we have in our assets. And they liquidate it, and they give you your money back. Um the problem being, like I said, you know, a, a lot of times when a fund is in a liquidation mode, yeah. it's not because everything's <laughs> rosy and dandy. No, it's <laughs> it's 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 going through the atmosphere and heat shields are starting to right. fly off. Yeah. I tell you a, a good uh, I've always used this analogy is a mutual fund is like being in your city pool. <laughs> you're, 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 Here in, we go. you're in the pool with everybody yeah. <laughs> they can't and the problem is is when when people when people get up and get out of the pool y'all ought to yeah. see elizabeth's face some, <laughs> some water comes with them uh, yeah. you know water gets in the pockets of the swimming trunk <laughs> <laughs> it comes out with them oh. and if enough people if enough people leave the pool at the same time yeah. There is a significant difference in the amount of water in the pool. God, I love it. And what's right. in the water, too. Exactly. Oh, and this is God. what that, that, that definition is, is the Sackler family, that was like this big sumo wrestler yeah. gets up out of there. God. There ain't much water left in right. the pool. No. And, and, and there's a problem. Exactly. Your value has dropped. Yeah, well, they they were the major investor, and they pulled out. They owned the investment company also. Yeah, and they got sued for the opioid yeah. crisis, and right. So they had to have assets that were liquid, and, and yeah. you know, they they they're looking they're at pulling we gotta, money from everywhere. We got to go cash at this point because we don't know what we're going to need to use. Right. And you know, when you're sitting in the kiddie pool with the sumo wrestler, and the sumo wrestler has the water hose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're <laughs> you're sitting in a dry bucket. Real quick, I can tell you that. The water that's left behind is not what you want. That's right. <laughs> there you go. Well said, Liz. Warm and salty. <laughs> Stop. Oh, we're going to all be getting sick and, here in a minute. Yeah. Uh, but 
that's where you know that's exactly why we stay away from mutual fund investing because we don't want the actions of others controlling what we are required to do with our investments right we want to have the ability to act independently yeah when people are exiting we want to be entering Mm. now when people we want to have that flexibility to to buy when others are selling you know when you're in a mutual fund you're not you don't have that flexibility a mutual fund manager may want to be able to buy when things aren't going good but if you're getting a lot of people jumping out of the pool uh, you're forced to take the water with them okay um here's another article independent investment advisors can still have conflicts of interest how to protect your finances um this is interesting because uh, a lot of advisors come across as independent and yet they're really not oh yeah so when when gavin riley quit working at age 55 he expected his savings to carry him through retirement a mechanic and supervisor at a nuclear plant in upstate New York, Riley amassed $1.4 million over a 35-year career, more than enough, he figured, to live comfortably. <clears throat> Depending on what your, you know, what your expenses are, that mm-hmm. should be enough it to live pretty out. comfortably. Mm-hmm. But it's eight years in Riley or Gavin. Yeah, but eight years into retirement, Riley's portfolio isn't performing as he expected. A financial advisor at a small, independent firm recommended that he plow almost everything into variable annuities and non-traded real estate investment trusts. The investments were meant to generate growth and income, he says, but they were high fee and he didn't keep up with the market's gains. And he had a hard time selling the REITs when he needed extra cash since they weren't publicly traded, forcing him to sell at a loss. The drawbacks of the investments were never fully explained, he says. Saying I was misled would be putting it mildly, says Riley, now 63, who has taken his former advisor to arbitration over the losses his advisor has denied any wrongdoing. Yeah. Um, Golly. I hate to hear stories like that, Yeah. first off. You know, I, I, that's kind of, I wanted to start off by saying that. They, they kind of break your heart, you know. Right. Um, don't know the full story, but ultimately, you know, you, you're not – those non-traded REITs, private REITs, are they're illiquid first and foremost, and they're meant to they're meant to provide outsized returns. Right. But ultimately, with excess returns comes excess risk. Yeah. And um, that's not that's not what you're supposed to be doing with someone's money who's in retirement. That you know. They need that money to work for them. Yeah. Um, the you know moving on from this. So here from this article, the word independent is used a lot to create the impression that investors are getting less biased advice. But just because a firm is independent doesn't mean it's free from biases that other firms has, says Micah Hauptman financial services counselor from the Consumer Federation of America, a consumer advocacy group. Advisors at independent firms usually have more flexibility to recommend private investments such as non-traded REITs and private equity funds, which tends to come with big commissions and high fees, he adds. The risk is that independent firms take advantage of that flexibility to investors' detriment. 
Um, if you're confused about whether your advisor is acting in your best interest, you're not alone. The term best interest is itself a loaded phrase. It's at the heart of a new set of regulations for advisors and brokers going into effect in June. The financial industry uses a hodgepodge of titles and terms with different standards for advisors, depending on the role they play, how they're compensated, and how they're registered. Uh, so then it goes on to talk about uh, dual registry too. But in a nutshell, if you have a registered investment advisor or RIA, which is what we are, he, mu he or she must abide by a fiduciary standard of advice. That means your advisor isn't allowed to put his or her financial interest ahead of yours. Things get confusing, however, because many individuals in the industry are duly registered as brokers and investment advisors. And firms have dual registration as broker dealers and advisory firms, too. Individuals who are dual registered can then wear two hats. They can recommend products for which they can earn commissions, such as annuities and non-traded REITs. And they can act as fiduciaries in other capacities, such as providing ongoing advice or account monitoring. Dual registration for brokerage firms and individuals makes a lot of sense since the licenses allow advisors to be as full service as possible, offering every possible flavor of service and product. An advisor who isn't duly registered can sell products like variable annuities with transaction-based commissions, for instance. Uh, they can't sell them. And many advisors want the flexibility to sell such. Can I say something? I have. Go ahead. I just want to say something about all this. At the pre-financial group, we say it all the time. What are we? We are a diligent guide. Yeah. We are forthright in our investment approach. Right. You know what that really means? We're going to be rigorously honest with you. And, you know, we're not going to run into this, your best interest buzz line anymore, which is what's happening in the investment business. That's just what we're seeing. Your best interest is at stake. When, in fact, there's a lot of people pulling at some of these guys. But that's not, that's not the way we operate. And one of the things we do to support that is simply we encourage you to get second or third opinions. And maybe we're the second or third opinion for you but that will eliminate a big part of what you're talking about here is this yeah. a tragic story well go ahead elizabeth no the, the whole fiduciary thing is is um the fact that people because i was looking at doing the marketing like i do i was looking at different profiles of different companies and I was stunned that this person claiming to be a fiduciary was selling annuities. And I came to, I think, Mike, who <laughs> is my compliance guru. I said, how can this even be? This, is, this isn't right. Why in the SEC, you know, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And he said, well, they're probably duly registered. And I there said, you go. that is, and, and I'm really the kind of a pedestrian consumer. I'm not licensed. I haven't studied all of this. I, so... I am Joe Customer, so if I'm confused when I'm around it every day, not licensed, what are, what's the public? I mean, it is really, there's a lot of muddy water, Yeah. and you got to ask questions, and that's another one of Mike and Guy's buzzwords, ask questions. Yeah. Ask right. one question, two questions, three questions, ask questions. We love questions. Yeah. We love to answer questions. We love to educate God and empower through answering those questions. That's right. We're all right. about it. And and 
that clears up the haze, the fog, the muddy water <laughs> real quick. Yep. Because if you, if you can't give good answers, you're probably hiding something. Well, good point. I want to answer a question that was asked, uh, you know, by several people to us, you know, why not annuities? Everybody says, well, why, why are we against annuities? And I'm going to answer it with another question f- and use this article. So you have to become duly registered to sell an annuity. Yes. Meaning that if you act solely as an RIA, which acts solely by the fiduciary standard, which the definition of a fiduciary standard is you have to put the client's best interest ahead of your own, you cannot sell them an annuity. If I can't act in your best interest and sell you an annuity, then is an annuity in your best interest. <laughs> right. Why is it separate, and why are you getting a big commission to sell it? You get what I'm saying yes, here? Yes, I do. So if I have to, if I can't sell you something acting in your best interest, As a then it is not in your best interest. Very well said, my friend. <laughs> it, when, when you boil it down, that's where... That's where you have to, you know, really think logically about these things. You know, how questions to, questions asked. How are you getting compensated? What are you doing for me? What are the risks associated with the investments that you're putting me in? You know, what's the fine print what, with the annuities? Print? What is the fine print? Right. There's there's a novel that you need to read you about even, annuities. I mean, if you ask the first three questions, you probably won't even make it to the fine print before you say no. You know, well, hey, I'm going to get 6% up front on this thing. Or My I'm, money's tied up for yeah. 10, 20 years. Yeah, exactly. These penalties. Yeah. And and that's, you know, we're, we're not duly registered. No. I want to say that. And we're not duly registered for that exact reason. We don't want to have those those conflicts of interest. We don't want to be trying to shake your hand with with our right hand and reach into your back pocket with our left. Yeah, you know that that's almost what that that relationship is right there, where I'll yeah. sell you a commission based product, but then charge you to monitor the commission based product, where there is no monitoring and annuity. Yeah. You know, it is what it is. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to build a relationship based on trust. And we're going to tell you, hey, these are the stocks we're picking. This is the research we've done on these stocks. This is why we think our our research is, is good on these stocks and why they're a good investment. And this is how, this is how we're going to go about monitoring it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, moving forward this is what changes need to be made right to the portfolio no change that we do in the portfolio is to earn ourselves a commission right you know it is to bet by law we can't take a commission well, yeah. I, I i was going to say no change we do in the portfolio is to better ourselves or our position but that would be a lying statement no you because we're obviously trying to grow the money. Yeah. Ultimately, the only way we get paid, we, we charge a percentage of the assets under management. Right. So the only way we get paid is to grow the assets under management. So, yes, if we're doing a change in the portfolio, it's to help grow your portfolio. So it puts us on the same side of the table. So ultimately, you know, you, when you're when the only way you're compensated 
is by a percentage of the assets under management, you've got to do two things. You know, if you don't if you don't have a lockup like an annuity where you lock them in for ten years and you don't have the assets over a, over a period of time, but you've also got to do it in a prudent manner. You know, because if you go out there and you take high risk and you get thwacked, everybody everybody leaves you, and you've got nothing. You know, your reputation's gone. You you've got nothing left yeah. at that point. So. Those are some questions you should be asking. Right. Good point. You want to go on this lime thing? Oh yeah, oh, this yeah. ought to be fun. I rented one of these <laughs> yesterday. Did you? Did you rent one? What's it? Well, never mind. Go ahead. Go, Phil. All right. So uh, you got lime, and what's the other one? Uh, spin. 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 Yeah. So uh, you know, scooter startup lime exits a dozen markets and cuts jobs. Uh, you know, it, uh, electric scooter startup Lime is laying off 14% of its workforce as it pulls out a dozen out of a dozen markets in the U.S. and abroad. Lime, which is legally known as Neutron Holdings Incorporated, will stop operating in 12 markets across the globe, co-founder and chief executive Brad Bow said Thursday in a blog post on the company's website. This is uh, a potential effect to us because Lime actually has entered Lexington uh, did what over the fall it's been here yes. about six mm-hmm. months yes um those are those little motorized electric scooters see them all over town right you're all about you're all about jobs and and local you, you know uh by the way speaking of jobs hey 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 jobs hey, report hey. was out friday uh, yeah and it, it was good yeah. so do y'all realize I think we're up 145,000 for December, which is not unusual. But do you all realize over the last decade, 10 years running, we have increased jobs every year for 10 years? That's amazing. That is amazing. But these Lime scooters, if you all have not driven downtown, I encourage you to do so. Be careful, though. Those the kids that are using them are hot. (laughs) Woo! They are moving quick. Uh, But. What I think is interesting about this is they're trying to find their market niche. And I bet you if you break down the cities that are most profitable, cities like Lexington, that are mid-sized cities, have a major university. College town. College town field are the, is the model that's working. The cities they pulled out of are the major markets. Yeah. You know, Atlanta and, you know, Phoenix and One. people like that. It's not huge, but the job creation that it creates for a, a local place like Lexington, you've got to have somebody to, um, you know, go around and gather these up and put them in good spots. You've got to have they got to be charged, charged mechanical, you know, issues fixed. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't ship them off to San Antonio to do this. You, it helps to have somebody local. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Check out the pre-financial group for your. Retirement planning needs. That's DupreeFinancial.com or look us up on Facebook. Um, we appreciate you listening today. We've had Philip Sexton, Guy Hugo, and Elizabeth Dupree Woo-hoo. in the Tom Dupree Show, News Radio 630 WLAP. Must be the ones who start.